Hey everyone, this is Nathan Hayes with IDOC. I'm the Practice Finance Consultant, and this is Episode 2 of our Focal Point Podcast Series. And for today, what I want to talk about is the new trend of private equity groups buying up optometry practices. I want to give you a brief report on a uh, panel discussion that occurred at Vision Expo East in New York last week with uh, a group of doctors and a group of um, private equity groups discussing what they were doing and then give you some thoughts on if you've been approached or if you're thinking about it as an exit strategy or something that may work for you. Um, just what are the key considerations for any sale, but, but private equity in particular, there's some specific issues involved there that, that we need to tackle. So first off, what's, what's going on? For the past three years or so in earnest, uh, groups backed by investment money, private equity groups, have been rolling up practices, um, and, and in one case, rebranding them. In some cases, they'll leave them with their, their names. The two most prominent groups right now are called My Eye Doctor and Eye Care Partners, which has also been known as Clarkson in the past. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll go to practice owners and say, hey, we will buy you out, we'll employ you. The pitch usually says something like this, are you tired of having to run a business instead of just being a doctor, well, we'll buy you out, we'll pay you for your practice, we'll run the practice for you, and then you can go back to focusing on, on clinical care, the things that you were trained to do. And, and the groups assume that even paying fair market value, or in some cases, and we'll talk more about this, above fair market value for the practice, they are able to find efficiencies and cut costs because maybe they'll centralize billing functions. Certainly their scale gives them some some efficiencies on cost of goods. Um, you know, they, they'll run HR centrally, and these are the two I mentioned. Both have, I think, Eye Care Partners has about 250 locations. My eye doctor has about 370 now. So we're talking about a number of offices. So part of it is that they're going to they're going to find ways to cut some of the costs of the practices that exist before. A second thing that they'll do, and this is uh, just anecdotally very true of, of my eye doctor, is they'll put in professional sales in a, in a way that most private practices don't. And so they're able to grow the revenues as well. So they'll cut costs, grow the revenues, and suddenly, you know, practice they paid fair market value for that, let's say, was doing $800,000 and throwing off 250000 to the owners, now generating $1.2 million and, and, you know, netting 400000 before it pays its doctors. And so they're able to increase the value of the practices on a, on a per location basis just by running them better. Uh, and, and again, they've got hundreds of professional managers working for them, so that they have some, some things that, that most independent single location practices won't have just because of their size. And then also, one of the things they know is that if you have a, a group of practices from a, just from an economic theory standpoint, 300 practices are worth more than one. Larger enterprises are worth more, however you do your, your basic calculation as a multiple of, of, of income um, or as, as a percentage of revenues are, are worth more because there's less risk tied to them. So a single location practice, if, if you're if the part of town in which you're located starts to sink and it affects the practice, well suddenly your business is just worth less and there's not much you can do about it. If you have five locations in town and one location's um, local area starts to change, well, you've got four more that are doing fine. So just, just on that alone, multiple location, larger practices are worth more. So these groups know that, that just by, by combining practices without changing anything 
almost by definition they're worth more and then they're also going to change things and run them. So the session at Vision Expo was interesting. It was, it was divided into two parts. Um, there were a group of three ODs that came and spoke to us. Uh, Dr. Brian Shu, who wrote an article for Review of Optometric Business about his experience selling to private equity. Uh, Dr. Michael Kling, who has, I, from what he says, I'd guess about a $30 million practice in San Diego. He has decided not to sell to private equity. And then Dr. Mark Wright, a you know, very well-known consultant, most of you will know him in the industry, was also giving some comments. And then there was a group of uh, multiple private equity groups. My doctor CEO was there. iCare Partner CEO was there. Um, the new Total ECP CEO was there, who also came from the private equity group that's investing in that. And then uh, a, a couple of guys from a group that just got formed that hasn't even bought a practice yet. Um, I think they may have just bought their first, were there as well. So. Basically, there's two models in play. Eye care partners and, and, and my eye doctor are taking the model of they'll buy out a practice entirely and just run it. And then Total ECP has a different model where they'll buy in part way. I think what else, I'll start actually with the second half, which is the private equity groups. They were, in my view, effectively selling what they're offering. You know, telling a story of, hey, we're, we're, we're about patient care because we're taking the management off these doctors' shoulders. We're good places to work. The doctors that sell to us stay. Uh, we haven't had much turnover. Now, granted, most of those doctors are on a five-year contract, and most of these groups haven't been working for more than five years. So some of that's a, a little bit of an artful, artful dodge, in my view. Um, but, but you know, very much of that. And, and you know, I think the other thing of interest from what they said, well, I, I, I say it's of interest that they don't change anything, or they, they pretend they don't change anything, because everyone who's been bought out knows and anyone who's bought a practice knows that you don't buy something without intending to do something different with it uh, as a rule if you're going to buy a business and operate it yourself so there's no question that they they make changes once they take over um, the second thing that, that people have to bear in mind is these groups are going to sell eventually my eye doctor probably is the first that will have its flip and will sell to another investor and you know they kind of wave their hands and and would say um, you know, it'll be a similar buyer and things won't change when, when we sell. You know, okay. Um, I'll speak a little internally from IDOC's standpoint and, and having been with Premi Group bought into IDOC under Riverside's, um, which was our investor at the time, now, now being under a group called IMC. Um, when owners change, things change. And uh, different owners will do things differently. And, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you, we're in a great spot right now with our investors. Um, really like their, their philosophy, uh, but it's definitely different from what we had before with Riverside. Definitely different from being um, solely owned by Dr. Jerry Hayes and Dr. Neil Gilmart. So <coughs> whatever the, these private equity groups say, things will change over time. Um, and, and certainly if, you know, for the practice owners that, that have been bought, what we hear from them is things definitely do change. What was almost more interesting was the report of the ODs um, Dr. Wright made some salient comments that, you know, we've had this happen before where ophthalmology was starting to roll up practices and, and can have some consolidation there a couple of years ago, certainly with the, the retail pushes of um, Pearl and Lens Crafters in the, I guess, the 90s. Um, we've seen things like, things like this before. Private optometry will not be going away because of this. And, uh, you know, let's, let's just, everyone, uh, hold your breath a little bit. Let's just see how this plays out. Uh, the private equity groups clearly are, are, are see an opportunity in eye care. Uh, they wouldn't be here 
if they didn't, um, you know, I, th I think a lot of it is just that, you know, and I, I don't mean to knock private optometrists in our, our industry, but w I think everyone listening to this will know that if you look at your practice or your peers' practice, there are definitely things you could do better. And, you know, a large organization with a lot of money and a lot of management talent could do more with your practice probably than you are today. So the private equity groups see that, they see the opportunity, they're coming into, into the eye care space. Um, Dr. I'll start with Dr. Shu, who actually sold. It was interesting because he wrote an article about, hey, this is thing worth considering shortly after he sold his practice. And, and I would describe his comments as uh, diplomatically neutral, but my subjective impression is he, he was not um, as happy with um, his decision to sell as, as he might have been. Um, he certainly got paid. You know, it was a realization of a business plan that he and his business partner had to 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 sell, and he's he's enjoyed being able to focus on 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 just being a doctor again. Um, on the flip side, he took a pay cut, and we'll talk more about that. The staff definitely changed under new management. He was bought by an ophthalmology-based uh, group, so very much change in their EHR and, and other factors of the practice. The culture changed because now you're under part of a larger group. Um, that was probably the most surprising thing to me um, was just his his sort of he wasn't that you know over the top about his decision to sell it didn't sound like to me some of that may be personality as well so I, I want to be careful not overstating that um, the more interesting one I think the one I'd have most of you focus on was was dr. Michael Kling um, he he got what was a very generous offer far more than he'd get from um, an independent buyer. We don't know the numbers he was offered, but I can tell you that, that for practice his size, it's almost certainly true that um, a private equity back group would make a very serious offer and has the capital to do so. Um, you know, on the one hand, he liked the idea of being able to just focus on patient care and, and um, not worry out the stresses of, of, of being a small business owner. On the other hand, by his own admission, He's a control freak and didn't like the idea of someone else running his business for him and, and maybe doing things differently. There were some complications for him. He owns the real estate on which his practice uh, um, operates. And so, I don't, he didn't give details. There's some legal complication with selling his practice. And, and finally, the big one, and this is one I'd, I'd have you hear clear. He's only 50 years old. And you know he, he ran the numbers out for another 10, 15 years and he just couldn't justify selling it. The, the, his income potential as an owner versus what he'd get paid as an employee, um, just from a pure financial standpoint, it didn't make sense. And, and two, he'd give up control of his, his financial future to some extent by, by working with someone else. And by his own admission, if he were 10 years older and 60 and maybe within five or 10 years of retirement, he would have entertained it much more seriously. I think um, it was amazing listening to him because my own view was, um, well, he basically said what I would say about the decision to sell. So let's talk about why, why you would own your practice and, and you know, how to consider the decision to sell to private equity. Why do, why do people own their practices? Well, for, for, for older doctors, I mean, when my dad finished Southern College of Optometry in 1973, Basically, the way you got a job was you either bought into a practice, you bought a practice, you put out a shingle. And so ownership was the only way to even have a job. 
That's changed at this point, but we'll admit that some of you own practices just because it's how you got into things, and maybe you didn't mean to, or maybe you would have taken a different path if it was available. But at this point, why does someone own a practice? I mean, it's really easy to say that the income potential is, is a big reason, and I, I don't want to diminish that. Um, we work with enough very successful private practice owners. I'm privileged enough to get to, to talk about um, practice profitability and personal, personal income with owners to know that, I mean, look, you're, you're, as an employed OD, in general, you're, you're in a private practice setting, your income maxes out at about $150,000. Um, in special cases, I've seen employed ODs earn, you know, 180, 190,000 a year, even 225,000 a year. Um, sometimes that happens because the owner puts together a, a an overly generous bonus plan without actually thinking it through. Some of it was on purpose by the owner, so um, you know, that's nice. But we'll just say, for all intents and purposes, 225,000 dollars is, in my view, the, the absolute upper limit of what you will earn as an employed OD. $225,000 is also what you'd earn as the owner of a $750,000 practice netting 30% of its revenue. And $750,000 is, is probably a below median practice at this point. So, you know, again, if you're below that, I mean, you're in good company, about 45, 50% of practices are right at your revenue level or lower. I don't want to make anyone feel bad right now. But, you know, 225 is a, is a is probably a a very average income for an, uh, an owner of an established practice with, with solid profitability. And within IDOC, we, we estimate our median practice size about 1.1 million. Um, if that's a single OD practice, even if there is a part-time associate, those doctors are generally making 300,000 or more. And so the income potential is a big reason why you would own a practice. But for many owners that I work with, They'd happily trade income for more free time, but what they're not willing to give up is control over their business. The idea of actually working for someone else and having someone else tell you what your practice needs to look like is an absolute non-starter for many practice owners. Um, and, and finally, there is some value to the equity you hold, the fact that when you are ready to retire, whenever that is, that you, know, you have something which you can sell for a significant amount of money. Um, doesn't really offset the, the, the value of the income stream, but when you're done, you're done, and, and your practice is worth something. For most, I mean, any practice over $500,000 in revenue, we're certainly talking about several hundred thousand dollars for, for a value of the practice, if not seven figures. So um, where does that leave us with private equity? Uh, and, and if you're approached by them, how should you consider it? One, I, I recommend if, if you're ever given the opportunity to partner or to, to get bought or to buy something, you should just go through the process, assuming you have any amount of time to, to dedicate to it. Because I think you'll learn something about yourself, about what your practice is worth, how other people think about it. And even if you don't go through with it, even if you don't think you're going to go through with it, having the conversation will be that, that little bit of experience for when, when in the future, you have another conversation that may go to something, um, you'll be more prepared. So if you're, if you're approached by private equity, by all means, um, take what they, they have to say. You know, seriously, have the conversation, see what they, see what they offer. Um, he, here's what I hear from most practice owners. One, if you're sort of a medium-sized practice, it will say between, the, the, well, one, if you're under $750,000 in revenues, I 
basically will tell you a private equity group will not consider buying your practice. If you're in a rural area, they will not consider buying your practice. Um, you know, they'll they'll want doctor coverage is a big deal in these in these because they lose the doctor, you or an associate. Um, you know, they the business has no value. So. Um, you know, that, that kind of strikes on rules because if, if you're in a city, sometimes if you wanted to leave right away, they could pull a doctor from another one of their practices. But if you're in the country, that's a little harder. Uh, but they're going to need a minimum amount of revenues, usually 750. But if you're in the 750,000 to $1.5 million range, they're basically going to offer something like what you'd get from a private OD. Um, you know, what's the difference is that the pool of buyers appears to be um, smaller right now. So they may be the only person interested in your practice when you're ready to retire. And, and by all means, you'd want to entertain that that offer. Um, if you're two million or above, the, the valuations they're offering can be quite aggressive. They'll usually say that they're offering five to six times EBITDA, which is um, an accounting term which means earnings before um, interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Um, and I, I assume that's inclusive of the owner's income. That's something I'm, I'm trying to get clarity on myself. Uh, but but those those numbers can be big. I mean, we're talking if you think historically practices have sold between for b between fifty and seventy percent of their revenues. Again, that's not taking into account the actual cash flow of the practice. Um, you know, those offers can end up translating to you know one times revenues, one and a quarter times revenues. I've seen it as high as one point five times revenues. Um, so if you're a larger practice center, it can be a real amount of money. The issue for most sellers in this case is that. Um, especially if you're not close to retirement, they're also going to want you to stay on in the practice and continue to work. Uh, they see a lot of goodwill in the brand name of the owner staying there to keep his patients in the practice or her patients in the practice. And um, you know they'll they'll replace your your salary with I mean something like usually 150,000, 160,000 a year if you're working full time. For most, I mean, and again, if you're a, if you're a seven hundred fifty thousand a practice dollar practice center and and um, and you're only making one hundred and seventy five two hundred thousand dollars a year, and you could just shed shed the responsibility of running the place and make one hundred fifty and just see patients, that that deal may make sense. Most practice centers I work with that are making two hundred fifty thousand dollars or more a year, um, that that really to give up control and take that salary for another five years um, is often a, too much to stomach. So there's an income question there as well. Um, second piece is the control. Again, if you sell, you're going to be asked to stay on, and it's probably at least a year, if not three years, and ideally five, that they'll want you to stay on. It depends on, on how quickly you can replace yourself with another doctor, I suppose. Um, but the other thing, and this is tricky to say, so that the money is one piece of the decision. For many practice owners, the other piece of the decision is, is one of well, it's one of control. I mean, you're going to be working for someone else. And not only are you going to be working for somebody else, but it's also an issue of legacy because they are going to change your practice. And, and if, if you've had a lot of pride in, in having a private practice that was medically driven, uh, particularly my doctor, reports vary, but, but I think this is fairly consistent from what I've heard, um, they're going to have a much more retail-driven model. And you may not enjoy seeing your practice turn from you know, a high-end medical practice to more of a middle price point, um, you know, we'll call it um, a vision works type model. I mean, it's the, I think the marketing's prettier, but that's basically how they run the optical. So um, we'll, we'll wrap up here. 
um, and, and just say, you know, one, if, if, you, if you're approached, by all means, have the conversation. Um, let me make one more point. If you're more than, than five years out, I think it's a real push whether or not you decide to sell, just because the income trade-offs are too great. And you can give me a call and ask, hey, Nathan, flesh that out for me, and we'll look at your practice and talk about, you know, we'll put numbers around that. I've done that with many members before. Um, if you're within five years, again, or if, if, if you're, for many practice owners, again, the, the, the number of buyers in the marketplace seems to be smaller right now. The students graduating, the younger ODs, between student loan debt and cultural changes, there just don't seem to be many buyers. So it may be that this is your only exit. And certainly for larger practice owners, um, you know, if you've got a multi-million dollar, two, three million dollar practice, I, I would take the point that, that you know, very few ODs are willing to take on the, the debt to buy you out, and you may not have the appetite to finance it yourself at that at that amount of money. Um, so, you know, it may be that this is just the best way out. I would tell you this: that that from the bankers I talk to, you'd be surprised how much they'll lend to an independent buyer. So, if you've got an associate who's interested in buying and worried about it, tell them to talk to the banks because if the practice supports the note, the banks will probably say yes, so long as the revenues will be sustained. You'd be surprised at how much money is available for people who've never owned a business before. Um, but I take the point that it may be your only exit. Um, so your considerations are going to be, you know, how long do you have to stay on? Can you stomach working for someone else and having them change your practice um, while making significantly less than you would as an owner? And that, that for many owners is hard. Is the, is the dollar amount big enough to justify it? Um, yeah, again, if you're getting offered two and a half, three million dollars for your practice, well, that's a lot of money. And even I'd be hard pressed as much as I want to preserve private practice optometry to tell you, oh, you should just walk away with that because we don't want someone else to have your practice. You, know, you have to do what's right for your family and yourself. Um, but then I'd, I'd also say, you know, talk to us if you're, if you're approached and, and let's, let's talk about ways that we can make your practice a practice you'd want to own for longer. Can we hire associates to take the patient care burden off yourself? Can we build up your management team to take the management burden off yourself? It's certainly the longer you own, can we bring on a partner to help, help shoulder some of that? And, and maybe trade some income and some equity now for, for a more guaranteed exit when you're finally ready to retire. In other words, your partner will be almost, not quite mandated, but your contract will spell out that your partner is going to buy you out and you're ready to leave. Um, and again, keep you in the practice longer. The practice is always going to be worth more. And I've done the math on very generous offers on multi-million dollar practices. It's always going to be worth more as an income stream than, than selling you're going to sell for the equity. Um, so those are some, some quick thoughts on, on what's happening and, and how you might think about it. I've gone a little over my time, so I'll wrap up there. Again, if you have questions on this, your entire IDOT consulting team and, and myself in particular, I'm definitely available to discuss and would be happy to do so with you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.